along the church, and we're really glad because <laughs> we're really happy you are here. But uh, we welcome you. We don't ask a ton of stuff from our guests. We simply have a, a card. It looks like this. It's in the chair back in front of you. It says connection card on the top. And we would love for you to take that out, whether you're from here in town or out of town, fill it out and drop it in the offering at the end of our service today. If you by chance are looking for a church, there are many wonderful Bible-believing churches here in northern Colorado. We thank God for them. We partner with them. But if you want some information about Timberline, if you turn that card over, you can check any of the boxes that uh, talk about the ministries at Timberline and uh, give us an email address and we'll email you information about those ministries you've requested. We won't call you or bug you or come over at all, okay? So nothing weird's gonna happen. You can trust to go ahead and fill that out. I also wanna just say, make sure you read the bulletin. The program today has a lot of stuff in it. We have uh, tables in the mall if there are seven this weekend. And that's where you can actually go back there and talk to someone live, sign up for stuff, get your name, get involved in ministries. Lots of ways to do that here at Timberline. So please get out there and uh, make all that happen. Our website, timberlinechurch.org, is a great place to click around and find some other stuff about Timberline. One last announcement because it's one of the special days of the whole year, and that is Christmas Eve. I am like so excited. Just in a few days, we're gonna gather in this place on Christmas Eve. How many of you know that's December 24th? Okay, just wanna make sure it's on your calendar. You have six options. Uh, we hope you'll bring your family, your neighborhood. It's a 30-minute service. It goes like that. You get a candle. I've been practicing. How's that look? I get to do that like 12 times. It's so fun. And I'm always sad when it's over. It's like the movie Groundhog Day. Have you ever seen that movie? You're like, the same thing over and over. But I just love it. So we want you here 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, rock. No, no, I'm sorry. I don't know. That just hit me when I was doing that then. So 1 p.m. through 6 p.m., six options for you. Please get here at one of those, and we'll have a blast, okay? We won't keep you long, but it'll really be fun. The weather's supposed to be good, so that should help us a lot. So I hope that you'll make that a part of your Christmas. Enough of all that. I just want to want to say that this message this weekend is such a blessing to me because I love talking about Christmas. And I've called this the God of Christmas because of the unique journey God took to come to this earth. I don't think we fully comprehend what he went through to make all this happen. We can easily take it for granted, and I don't want us to. I think about the music of Christmas. Uh, that we've been singing today, that we're gonna sing on Christmas Eve, that you've been listening to in your car, your house. I, I think about the light of Christmas, how beautiful all this is, this decor with all these lights. And I think about Jesus being the light of the world and the candles on Christmas Eve. There's something wonderful about all of that. But the Christmas story is really about God becoming something he had never been before. Now that's unique. Because Jesus, part of the Godhead, if you, if you, from a theological perspective, the Father, Son, and Spirit, we're Trinitarian in our theology. We believe that the Trinity has existed from before time, forever. We, we can't humanly grasp that or comprehend that. But I just wonder what the conversation was like when the Father said to Jesus, you wanna go to earth and die on a cross so that we can get these people back? 
and, and get him in right relationship with us? I mean, how did all that happen? How did that transpire? What were the conversations and what was the big plan? Because Jesus absolutely was going to become something he had never been before and yet not cease being what he had always been. He was fully man, but he was also fully God. What was God thinking? It's kind of awkward. He was older than his mother. <laughs> he was as old as his father in heaven. This child had never known limitation. He was completely now going to be dependent on someone else. That's a mystery that I can't hardly get my head around. He became what he created. He, he, he put skin on his own creation. You know, when you think of theology and you think of the omnis, omnipotent, you heard that word, meaning all-powerful. Here's Jesus having all power forever, and he's about to be confined to this little wiggly baby. And he can't do anything on his own. He's going to be stuck there in that body. Now think about that. He's, he's willing to do that and to limit his power to being dependent. I think of the, the word omniscient, meaning all-knowing. And from a theological perspective, it's just got to be awkward to go from all-knowing to having to learn how to talk, to having to learn how to process thought, to learn to read, to go through school, to, to learn about what's on the earth, the very things you created. All these questions we don't fully understand. The omnipresent, to be fully present everywhere, all at once, and suddenly you look at the life of Jesus, and guess what? Do you know that on, in his physical life on the earth, he never traveled more than in a 200-mile radius. For a God that's omnipresent everywhere in the world to be confined to a little 200-mile radius, it's just a fascinating story all the way around. Let me read the story. This is in Luke chapter 2. I love Luke's account, and I love how all this came about. Now, we're going to discover some crazy things that I want to break down from this text. Luke 2, 1. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. You guys, this is very important because this forced most, uh, Joseph and Mary to go to Bethlehem. The prophecy from the Old Testament, the prophets said it would be the house of David, Bethlehem, where Jesus, the Messiah, would be born. The problem was they didn't live in Bethlehem. They lived in Nazareth. So here comes the census from the top down saying, you're forced to go. And in verse four, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village in Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, his fiancee, who was now obviously pregnant. Say it with me, pregnant. That's a key word in this text, would you agree? It's a, it's a scary word because of the timing of all this. And while they were there, the time came for her baby. Of course it was. That's just how it works out, right? Is God in this story? I mean, he could have, he could have been easier on them. That time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, laid him in a manger, which is a feeding trough, because there was no lodging available for them. Of course there wasn't. Is God in control or not? This whole story just seems like someone made it up. 
It couldn't be this bad. There's, there's five things that I just want to open up and talk about a little bit. Number one in your program there is this. Bethlehem seems so far. Like when you're Joseph and Mary, Bethlehem is a problem if you know you have to go there. I just wonder what it was like for Joseph to go in and, you know, oh, we got the word today, Mary. We have to go to Bethlehem. We don't have a choice. The government is making us. We've got to register in the census, and she's nine months pregnant. Joseph, is there any way that uh, you could go? <laughs> I'm not sure. That's 60 miles. I mean, what was that discussion like? Or did she just say, oh, honey, it's fine. You just wonder what that conversation was. I, I think about walking 60 miles. As a matter of fact, I was in a discussion with some people talking about this very thing and this message and, and uh, saying, can you imagine being nine? I've never been pregnant, just so you know. Uh, but, but being nine months pregnant just doesn't seem like a good idea to go to walk 60 miles. And someone in the group said, well, she probably rode a donkey. And I'm like, is that better? I mean, is that better, really? <laughs> is, is that, I'm not sure I would want to ride a donkey. I don't know. So maybe she walked a little. Maybe she rode a donkey a little. Um, I don't know. But I know that they had to go 60 miles. What was it like, you know, when they saw the little mile marker, 48, you know? And then we got 12 to go. They're, they're just walking. They're just journeying with all these people and the family, and it's crazy, and it's crowded, and it's congested. It's like College Avenue. It's just unbelievable. You just can't get anywhere. I, I think about what that's like and how confusing it would be to kind of be saying, God, why now? Have you ever been confused with the will of God? It's a, it's a crazy feeling. I, I, one of the most confusing and probably one of the most embarrassing times that I've had as an adult is when our kids were small, we, uh, Bonnie has some family, a brother that lives up in Montana and all their family and kids. And so we were, we went up there to visit them and cousins, you know, I love that kind of stuff. And so they had this family park where they had this human maze. How many of you have been in a human maze before? Just wave at me. Oh, some of you are really missing out. Don't ever do it. <laughs> now, it's crazy because there's these like eight-foot walls, and it's like as big as this room almost, or at least half of this room, or there's all these mazes. And there's like six stations that you have to go to, and each of the stations has a stamp with a number that you stamp proving you've been to that station. And so I'm thinking, you know, my kids are young and we're excited and it's a bunch of us and cousins, I'm thinking. Because at the end when you get all six and they don't have to be in order, right in the middle of the whole thing there's this huge platform, you go up on it when you're done and you can sort of make fun of everybody that hasn't made it yet, you know what I mean? So it's, it's kind of a fun moment to just harass people. And so, so I was like so embarrassed because I kept ending up at the same station over and over, and I'm, I had like one or two. My kids are running by me, and they've got like five. Dad, have you seen the last one? We're looking for one. I'm like, I'm not telling you anything. I'm on number two. I can't get done. So finally, all my kids are up there on this platform. They're done, and I'm down there wandering around. Finally, I just crawled under, and you know, kind of, it was so embarrassing. But it's really confusing when you feel like you've been at the same place. You feel like you're just plugging along and you're never going to get there and it's never going to be over. And that's what Joseph and Mary felt. Let me just say something to some of you right now. What is your Bethlehem? What is the place right now that you're on a journey and it's frustrating and you're not sure what to do and it's captivating to you and you don't know why God has allowed you to be in a situation. You were following God and it brought you to this place? Are you kidding me? God, where are you? They had to be asking these questions. 
We all have a Bethlehem. We all are in a journey where sometimes things are not what we think it's going to be. Number two, the timing to have a baby just seems really wrong. It just doesn't make sense that it would happen now. And, and I, I've often said, yes, God has a sense of humor, but this seems almost cruel. You know, why now? I think of, uh, of what Joseph and Mary went through on that journey and the questions they must have had being forced here uh, by Caesar to go back and get involved in the census. I wonder what conversation they had. Ha- have you ever heard the phrase, I'm just gonna be really blunt here. Have you ever heard the phrase, well, It'll all just work out. Has someone ever said that to you and like the spirit of slap came over you? (laughs) And you just want to say, no, it didn't and it won't. It's already past the stage of working out the way I was expecting it to. It can't go back now. I think that's some of what they were feeling. This is a challenge. We're in a journey here. We can't turn around. We're forced by the government to go. We don't have options. And you guys, we love options. And when we lose our options, things, things can go south in a hurry. I think it's really important for us to sometimes learn how to submit to God and look at the timing in our lives and say, God, this isn't working out the way I hoped. And be honest about it. And let's not be cute little Christians who have cute little cliches to kind of answer all the tough stuff that happens in people's lives. Because we say things that, I get it, the sovereignty of God is huge. And maybe five years from now, I will look back and I will be able to say, okay, I can see God's hand in that horrible thing. But I don't know that I still would choose that thing. And it didn't work out the way I hoped it. It worked out some other way, and God never wastes our pain. I agree with that. But it's a challenge for us sometimes to be facing things like they were that seem so beyond their control. Listen, God's timetable is not your timetable. But he is and forever will be on his timetable. That's where submission to his plan is important. Number three. The place to deliver a child just seems impossible. Um, I, I just think, I can't imagine. What would it have been like? Just imagine, you've gone 60 miles with your wife who's nine months pregnant. You finally walk up to the counter. It's like, oh, we are so tired. Do you have any King Sweets available with a hot tub? No? Okay, we'll take a normal standard. You don't have that either? Okay, do you have like a, like a mini suite with like even just like a wall bed we could put down? Could we get like a roll away for the hall? No, we have nothing. Nothing? No, nothing. And can't you just, I mean, I just that moment. And Mary's, I wonder if Mary's standing there hearing this and her water breaks. This is, this is, this is the reality because, because, she, she's about to say the time has come. And, and, and here's Joseph saying, do you have anything? And maybe Mary, you know, she's such a godly. Maybe she just leaned over and said, Joseph, it's fine. Maybe we could stay in the barn. <laughs> I know that's what my wife would have said. <laughs> they, they end up in this stable. Most scholars believe it was a little cave. And, 
And the, there was a manger there, which is a feeding trough for animals. Why is the, the great laying Jesus down in the manger? By the way, I saw a great email. A lady reminded me last night. The first king-size bed was a manger. I like that. Have you seen birthing centers these days? I mean, they're sterile. They're beautiful. They're like going into a spa. Some of these, they've got this music playing. Do you know you can have your new baby underwater now? It's just amazing what they do. What they experienced wasn't that. This was raw out of the night, and, and this moment came, but get it, God was present. That's what we have to know. When we don't feel him, when we don't know he's there, when it's not what we think, God is still there. I think God can help us to believe that and crawl into his arms and say, God, I trust you anyway. Even when we think God could have reserved a room for us. If this is all really happening to me and it really is God, you'd think he would have taken a little better care of Joseph and Mary. But God has ways that we don't understand. And if you're gonna walk with God for the rest of your life, you're gonna experience things that you won't understand and you may be perfectly in the will of God. Because sometimes it doesn't all just work out the way you think it works out. And we need to acknowledge that. Number four, this is crazy. The political environment seems so hostile. I mean, for this to be able to happen, it's just, it's just crazy. A census? I mean, that, that frustrated people. There's a tax bill that goes along with that. <laughs> How many of you just really enjoy paying taxes? Like, it's one of your favorite things. You know, it's, 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 it's nice we have a country we can support, but sometimes when you pay tax and you, you don't really believe in certain things that the government is funding, it, it makes it tough. Well, believe me, this, this was all that packaged in, in even a bigger way. How would you like to have a baby that the king, King Herod, is trying to track down and kill? That was the reality for Joseph and Mary. They were warned, and they were told, you've got to run, and they had to flee. Or they would have found Jesus and killed him. It's a terrible story of killing all these little baby boys that are two years or younger. Uh, it's a mess. That's, that's a huge problem. I, I think that they just felt completely out of control with the government environment, with the stable environment, with the, the, all the stuff happening around them. I, I don't know how often it is that, that you're completely out of control of your environment, your situation. I don't know if God put me through this, but this week I had this short little flight up to Seattle and I told Bond, look, this is really going to be easy. I'm flying out like Monday night and, or Tuesday night, and I'll have my meeting. It's a half-a-day meeting on Wednesday. And I've got an afternoon flight. I'll be back, and we'll have dinner together. No big deal. Great. So I get all done with my meeting, go back to the airport, and get on the plane. It's all good. I even got an, I even got an exit row. I was just going, thank you, God. You know, there is a God. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting there ready to go. We pull back from the gate. Everything's looking good. We watch the little screen thing about safety and everything, and then the captain comes on. I'm really sorry about this, but we have a little light that came on that says our landing gear is not working properly. So we have a technician that's going to come out and take a look at it, and I'll keep you posted. You know, that's one of those mixed dilemmas because if it's the landing gear, you kind of don't want to take off if it's not really fixed, 
right? So you can't complain a whole lot. And so everybody's kind of patient. So, you know, 30 minutes later, okay, we do have a technician. They did find the part. Might take about an hour to put it on, but we're going to be good to go. So we're going to go back up to the gate, and we're going to let you off the airplane a little while while we fix it, and you can stretch your legs. So we get off the airplane, go into the terminal, and uh, some got something to eat. So we're finally they call us back on the plane. <laughs> we get on the plane. All is everybody's happy. We're going. Got the new part in. All is well. We move back from the gate. We're back. Captain comes on. The little light came back on that says our landing gear. You know, we're all just going, are you serious? They said, but we have a good technician. He's going to come and take a look. We hope it's something simple and they can get it going. Well, an hour later, uh, we're going to pull back up to the gate and let you off the plane. And uh, we're going to bring some more people in to look at this. So we get back off the plane and uh, we wait. And then they finally, about an hour and a half later, they said the flight's canceled. <laughs> so we're like four hours into this thing. And... If you've ever been, it's just, it almost became comical. So they said, we have a special crew coming in overnight to fix this plane, and then we will use this plane at 7 tomorrow, come back, here's your boarding pass. So now there's like a family, all of us on that flight, and we're like a herd in the airport. And we're going over to the counter to get reticketed. Then we're all going over to the shuttle to get our vouchers. Then we go into the hotel together. Then we're standing in the hotel line together. Then at 5 in the morning, we're all at the shuttle again. It was like a family, you know? So we get to the airport really early. We get on the plane. Everything's working perfect. We back up. We're going to the runway, and we stop. I hear the jets turn off. The captain comes on. Really sorry about this, ladies and gentlemen, but there is a computer malfunction. It's shut down, and we can't go without that computer, so we're going to have a technician come out and reboot. And so I couldn't believe it. I, was, I started laughing. I'm working on this point of being out of control. I am. And I started laughing, and it was like God just smiling, saying, but one thing about it, I had like four hours of extra prep on this sermon, so... I just couldn't believe it. Finally, they did get it fixed, and I, I made it home. I was like texting Bonnie. We're, we're in the airplane. Oh, we're back at the gate. Oh, we're in the airplane. Back at the gate. We're in the airplane. Oh, I'm in a hotel. Flight's canceled. I'm walking home. I'll see you in three months. I mean, it was just like, <laughs> it's just crazy. When, when, when you can't control it, you, you, you either get so frustrated that, that you're a, a bad to everyone around you, or you just reach a point where you go, ha! Forget it then. It doesn't matter. It's out of my control. I can't do one thing about it. And I think Joseph and Mary were basically saying, God, we don't get it, but we get you, and we're still happy with the decision we've made. We wouldn't go back another day or another year because we know we're in the will of God. You guys live with that resolve. Live with that resolve, but it's just not going great. Well, it just might not go great. But God is still in control, and God still loves you, and God still has a purpose for all of this. I, I've got to move on. Number five, the visitors seem so unlikely. It's crazy what happened here. I think of who came to see baby Jesus. The shepherds. Now, there's a lot of talk. I mean, you can read books about the shepherds. And you'll see both ends of the spectrum. Typically, herdsmen, as they were called in the Old Testament, people like Abraham, gazillionaires, loaded, lots of money, lots of livestock, amazing wealth. So, so the lineage of Jesus has herdsmen, shepherds, you know, David, out, out being a shepherd as a young boy. 
Well, these shepherds were the ones actually on the hillside tending the sheep. The herdsman would be the owner of all of that. But typically the reputation of a lowly shepherd would be a person you don't really trust. Just a hard time blue collar who will take you if they can and keep an extra buck if they can get it because they have a hard life. And yet God chooses shepherds, puts an angel on the ground up on the hillside, shines a big light up there and says, you gotta go see because Jesus the Messiah has been born. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like God to bypass the hierarchy and go right to the common person. And here's the thing I love about this story. This, this makes me emotional. They show up. Can you imagine Joseph and Mary being surprised by all these shepherds popping around? They've come from the field, so they don't smell good. They're not dressed up. They're not ready. Of course, they're in a stable barn anyway, so what does it matter? And they say something like this. We have come to see the child, probably with this we hope that that resonates with somebody here. And Joseph is like, we just had the child. How, how do you know about the child? Well, you won't believe this. Well, come in and tell Mary as well. I, I'm, I'm making this up in my mind, but it had to be something like this. When they said, you guys, honestly, you might not believe it, but there was a light on the hillside and an angel actually appeared to us on this hillside. And Mary starts to cry. And Mary goes, that happened to me. This may be the first time in Mary's life since the angel and the word of the Lord that she's actually talking to someone who really believes her. Because that, it happened to them too. And they were worried that no one would believe them. You know, if something happens to two people that's very uncommon, they bond. Because they know it's real. And Mary, I'm sure, is emotionally filled to say, that's, that's what happened to me. The angel said I was going to be with child. And they said, that's what he said, he said. And, and, and he sent us to you, and we believe this is the Messiah. We do too. What would that be like in that moment to have this powerful revelation of truth that comes in that little filthy place with this little baby laying in this manger? God is up to something. God is working on the other side of the mountain in your life right now. You might not see it, you might not know it, but the shepherds were way over here and God got them way over here. The Magi, you think of the Magi, and that might have been even two years later before they found Jesus. I don't know, but they came bringing gifts. Can you imagine them telling? Most scholars believe that the Magi had been traveling two to three years following that star to get to where Jesus was. That's powerful. Why? It just shows me that God puts a star in sky that creates curiosity from people who are stargazers. And they've never seen this one before. And they say, let's go figure it out. And they take off on a journey. And they bring their caravan with them. And they go for years. And they're wealthy. They can afford it. All because the king has been born. And here's little Mary and Joseph saying, you came from where? <laughs> yeah. Why? Because he's not just the king of Judea. He's the king of the world. And he forever will be. You know, for some of you right now, there's pain, there's challenge. What was God thinking? Let me just have you fill in that last blank. What was God thinking? He was thinking of a God-sized story. 
He was thinking of a God-sized story. When I say that, I mean the biggest possible story. And here's the story. You are the story that God was thinking. You're it. No, that wouldn't have happened just for me. Yeah, yeah. you're the story. It's humbling, isn't it? It just, it just almost makes me wilt. It almost makes me just say, you know, woe is me. I can't, I can't feel that because you're God and, and I'm so not worthy. And yet God says, my son was sent. And Jesus would say, I came willfully. I confined myself to skin to walk on this earth. That's why I know your humility. That's why I know your pain. That's why I know when you're hurt. That's why I know what it's like to be lonely. That's why I know what it's like to be hungry and thirsty. I know what it's like to be rejected. I know what it's like to lose my family. I know what it's like to face stuff and wonder why it all happens. But there is a purpose, and God is still God, and this baby Jesus is the king of the world. I wanna pray with you today. Would you bow your head? Lord, in this complex time where life can get crazy, our little lists, all the to-do stuff, all the running, help, help us to just stop it right now for just a moment. To open our heart to you, to ask the question, what really matters? What really matters? You have come to give life, hope, joy. You have come to help us when life goes awry. When we have to go to Bethlehem. When there's no room in the inn. When it's not what we expected and it's not even what we thought you promised. We're gonna trust you anyway. We're gonna trust you. With heads bowed, I wanna pray for some of you who perhaps have a, a picture in your mind of what you thought was gonna happen, but it's not happening. And there's disappointment, disillusionment, and you need to sort of come to God and say, God, I know you have a bigger picture for me, and I need to yield. I really do. I need to just trust that you're a God who will help me to see the bigger picture that I do not currently see. Any of you going through something like that right now, just slip up a hand. It's powerful. Church, let's pray for these, because we've all been there at different times. Lord, these are hard moments. These are faith moments. These are rubber hits the road. Am I a believer? Will I trust God when I can't see what's out in front of me? I just pray that we will grab a hold of your hand and we will hold on hard. Even if it walks us through places we don't want to go to and the, the, the fear factor hits us, show us how to trust you. Lord, I pray for those in this room that need to yield to God. And they've tried and tried and tried, and they're, they're, they're aggressive people who want to try to make it happen. I feel like I'm supposed to say to someone, you're like a do-it-yourselfer, and, and you're really independent, and it's about you getting this done, and I'll find a way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you to just die to that today and, and hand that over to God and say, I'm done. I'm not going to fix this. I don't know how. Admit it and trust him. 
Trust him to, to put new light on this situation and watch the doors that open that you never could have thought of. God, I pray for that person, whoever that is. Lastly, I want to pray for those of you that maybe you don't even believe this story. You're not sure about the whole God thing. You're in a safe place. Timberline is a church where we respect your journey. We want you to ask hard questions. We're not afraid of them. We've all been there. And we want you to discover God. But if the Spirit of God is kind of talking to your heart today and you just want to start by saying a prayer, I'm going to lead you in one that just opens yourself up to him. So try it if you like it and if you feel the Spirit of God talking to you. Just say this, Lord, I'm not sure about this whole thing, but I do feel something growing in my spirit. I want to trust that you're real and that you know me and that you care about me. And so that's why I'm praying this prayer. I'm going to ask you to help me discover you. Help me to say yes to the things you want me to say yes to. Show me how in this journey that I too can find cleansing in my own heart from my own sins, from my own doing, my own thought patterns. I come in faith asking for help. I need you, Lord, and I trust you to help. Lord, use this fellowship. Thank you for what they've done and the good work they've done to make a difference in the world. In your name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Wow. Love you guys. Amazing people. You know, I got to tell you something. Uh, we're about to take the offering. Ushers, you can go ahead and come, but I want to pray first before we receive it. This is a, an amazing mark for Timberline. We always do adopt a family. And this year, I don't know what it is, but you guys just stepped up either bringing funds to help us, but we adopted almost 1,200 families in this community to make a difference. And it's thousands of dollars. It's just amazing. So thank you for giving through Timberline and caring and, and working with us. And some of you are learning to tithe. One of the things that I would say as you come into year-end giving right now, we do have to receive your giving by December 30 uh, because of the way the weekends fall. So just pay attention to that in your mind. So uh, put that in your heart. And thanks for being generous. Lord, we give today out of joy and we give just with gratitude your blessing on our lives through this year. And uh, help us this week as we walk through Christmas to be givers first of ourselves, our time, our energy, our space. In your name we pray it. Amen. Amazing. Thanks, Jerry. One, one last thought, because I, I, I wish my guitar could do that. As I was thinking about that last night, I thought it's not the guitar, it's who's playing it. And I want to leave you with this thought. It's not who you are and your gift set and how hard you try. It's whose hands you put yourself in. That's when you are the most beautiful. Would you stand with me? If you're able. I'd like to our prayer team to come now and be available. We want to pray with you. Any need you might have. But let's conclude our time with a prayer. And Jerry's going to continue to play. You can go ahead, Jerry. And if you want to just sit back down and listen a while, he'll do that. Lord... Thanks for uh, moments like this where we are reminded of that big picture of God, the sovereignty stuff that's bigger than us. And with all the happenings, I just pray that every single person in this room will know the presence of God. They will not feel alone. 
I pray for those single parents who are trying to divide time and energies and the financial stresses and challenges. I pray for every couple who's here today to just say, God, help us in our marriage to be what you, you're calling us to be. For the children whose eyes are big and glowing and excited about Christmas morning, may they know the truth of this story. And for those who have gone way into those years and they look back on their life, may they now have words of wisdom and help and kindness to people they influence for the glory of God. We love you. Send us out of here as light and darkness in Jesus' name. Amen. The service starts now. God bless you. Have a great weekend.